Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Chris Natterer from Ultra Working, and Chris here is to- here to talk about what we can do to be more productive, to make sure we stick to habits, and also to talk a bit about nutrition as well. And I think all of these things tie in really well with what what we do, which I, I see myself as a coach, as a swim coach. My job is to help people be consistent with their swimming, but also change their their motor patterns and develop this different muscle memory, which really comes down to sticking to habits. And uh, that's, that's the way they're going to do it. So I thought uh, this would be a, a really good uh, topic to talk about. And why not get someone who's experienced in that area to um, to chat about it. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brendan, nice to have you. Thank you. So uh, Chris, those that are, uh, are listening, can you give me a bit of a background on um, what what you've done in the past, and I guess what a bit about ultra working as well, because I was uh, listening to the ultra working podcast, and I thought these are some really interesting topics, not only in terms of being like pr- productive and, in- and increasing that, but also just uh, in the area of I guess psychology and how that works into uh, to sticking to habits or ch- changing habits and those sorts of things. Right. Um, so I'm an engineer. I used to work for many years as a health coach looking at the whole spectrum from nutrition to fitness and general health, getting a lot of blood work done with my clients. And uh, now I work at Ultra Working. We are a company that focuses a lot on making people perform better in their jobs, making them more productive, giving them the the right tools to excel and and perform uh, better and produce better work. Um, And we're also now starting to look at health as it is a um, absolutely fundamental piece of the puzzle for long-term peak performance. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, if you haven't got your health, you've got, you haven't really, nothing else really matters. You know, you you need to make sure that you're healthy in order to then be able to do your work, then to be able to swim. So I think it's uh, obviously a pretty key, key component to it. And uh, with, uh, with, since you've joined ultra work, you know, and this has become a real, focus is there anything that you've personally changed in how you work how you uh, train from what you've learned over the last couple of years yeah so it's interesting because i was a ultra working customer for many years before i joined up and it is exactly the things that i saw and that i was able to implement in my own life that convinced me of the you know ability of all of the things that we're doing so um Yes, there is a lot, lot to uncover. So there are definitely some, there are some best practices when it comes to doing work um, or really when it comes to participating in almost any kind of activity. And these best practices are sort of well-known. We, you know, we can measure them, but it's actually surprising that even very, very accomplished people do not use them or do not use all of them um, consistently. And so we're um, helping our our customers to implement some of those habits or some of those practices more consistently. So for example, um, one of the, the main things that we do is a, is a tool that will um, help you to perform a single work session better. It's called Work Cycles. It's very popular. Um, and um, it, it helps you to run a, a work session in a more um, 
strategic, systematic way. So very often people will sit down to do work and they will sort of just jump in. They don't really um, have a clear outcome in mind what they're actually trying to accomplish and how they will get there. They sort of just like go with the flow. And uh, well, you can get things done this way, but they usually tend to A, take a lot longer than you might have otherwise uh, taken. And you're often not really, um, there are many questions you can ask yourself before jumping into the work that will inform a lot of the outcomes that you're trying to go for. So let's say you're, you're, you're writing a paper, you could ask yourself, you could just like start writing the paper, but questions that you could ask yourselves are, who's going to read this? Who am I writing this for? Uh, what do I want them to take away when they have read this paper? What what do, what do I want them to to learn from this? And depending on how you answer those questions, the way you approach the paper or the actual outcome of the paper could look very differently. So some of the things that we do in a work cycle is we have a a, a planning session up front. takes around five minutes if you're if you're a veteran. takes maybe ten to fifteen minutes if you're just getting started, and during those planning sessions, you will ask yourself, what am I trying to accomplish for the next four hours, for example, for this next work session? Um, a second question is, how is this important and valuable? We find that um, motivation is one of the things that can really make a huge difference. And in this field, you're basically really trying to um, see how even the, it could even be a very mundane exercise or very mundane work that you're doing. But in this field, you have the chance to reframe it in a way that makes it highly, you know, exciting. So let's say you're just doing your taxes. You could, you know, reframe this in, okay, if I get this done, then I will, you know, I will feel liberated. I will feel this off my chest, or um, I might actually establish a process to make it easier next year and to think about my systems going forward. Um, any, any possible, there are many possible answers. Um, then you're, in the next piece, you're trying to do some, um, you're preparing for things that might go wrong. So for example, if you're, um, you know, working on something that, that maybe requires a lot of, of like concentration, you might ask yourself, Hey, what could, are there any interruptions that are coming up? I'm expecting a call. Am I expecting someone to knock on the door? And if that happens, how will I address it? How will I, um, deal with the situation? And you write into this field, for example, if the, you know, the uh, delivery guy shows up, I will, you know, preempt the door, I will take the stuff, bring it to the kitchen, and I will go right back to work. Um, and those are kind of similar to maybe you're familiar with the term or the concept of um, implementation intentions. Um, if if I do this, I will, I will do this when X happens, you sort of pre-planning your response. And then you're... Um, you, you, you know, roughly gauging, is this an objective or is objective work? Is this something that you can actually measure? And you're um, defining in, in, in great detail, how will you know when this is complete? And this is the concept that uh, Stephen Covey wrote, so writes about in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the most, uh, you know, well-known books. He's, he has the concept of starting with the end in mind, like knowing the end result that you're trying to achieve. And I think this is, maybe the most important field, knowing actually what the end result of your work is supposed to look like. Mm. There's a lot of good things there. And the first one that you mentioned about, it's almost like sharpening the 
acts before you're going to chop down a tree. It's like that's that planning about what what I actually want to get out of this work that I'm about to do, who's going to be reading or, or who's going to be watching it, and what do I want to get across or what am I trying to, to teach? It's like that. Yes, it's the, it's the sharpening of the axe there because uh, with, you know, without that, then you might waste an extra hour or an extra two hours. And how you might translate that to swimming, it's like I'm going to the pool, I've got this session, What's what am I trying to get out of it? Is there a particular aspect of my technique that I'm trying to to change? And then how will I go about changing it? Will I use some different drills? What will be my focus in the main set? So that's sort of pre, like even five or 10 minutes of just sitting down thinking about what, uh, what you would like to get out of it can make a big difference. And I know, I think to the days where I'm most productive, it's when I've sat down and I've written down what are the top three things that I want to have done by the end of today. And, and then it's like that small act of just sitting down and, writing that and then thinking about how I'm going to approach them. It's like, I can be, I reckon more than two to three times more productive when I, when I actually just take that five or 10 minutes. Uh, Absolutely. I, I totally agree. That's, that's how it translates because yeah, this is for sure true for any type of physical practice as well. Um, this sort of very deliberate practice, knowing exactly what I'm trying to accomplish, not just like you can get better if you just jump in the pool and swim a lot but you will get much, much better, much faster if you also really engage your, your mental state at the same time. And um, one component that then comes to it. So we have just planned four hours of work. That's like a rough cycle. You could do less or more. And then we're going to start work and we're working in 30 minute blocks. Um, and we repeat this planning process in a little bit of a smaller version for each block. We are, Planning, uh, mapping out what you're trying to accomplish in the next 30 minutes. And this does two things that will keep us on target. Once again, we have to or establish what finish will look like, but it will also um, teach us the skill of estimating how long things take. And um, now we're working for 30 minutes. And at the end of the 30 minutes comes the next, and I would say really critical part, which is the debrief. I think this is something that people too often do not do because it can really easily um, reveal some things. So after a good training session, you could ask yourself, what really went well today? What did I learn today that I, that I could repeat the next time? Things like that. And all of a sudden you have really um, um, sped up this, this, uh, the cycle of getting more data, making a change to your next training session getting more data, analyzing the data and changing the next training session again. And basically in, in work cycles, you have that chance every 30 minutes, every 30 minutes you debrief, you ask yourself, um, did I hit my target? If not, if, if, I, if not, why not? Um, and what can I do better next time? And what went well this time? And um, so the goal is not to just get a lot of more work done, but to increasingly become better at working. And why the, why the 30 minute time cycle? Is there a particular reason around that? Um, that's so some, some people like 50 minutes, 40 minutes, 30 minutes is a good, um, a good compromise compromise between different type of attention spans, depending on the type of work you would maybe increase this, but our standard protocol is 30 minutes of, um, of work 
followed by 10 minutes of uh, of a break. Mm. I th uh, that's what I've tried to usually stick to when I'm running clinics. It's like uh, with, especially with when you, there's a lot of information that you know, might be trying to get across any more than 30 minutes where you're just sitting there, maybe hearing someone talk for, for 30 minutes, you're not going to, after that 30 minute mark, I find the attention seems to wane, to wane and your mind will start to drift off a bit. So at a bare minimum, we'll want to get up, walk around, move around, reset, and then we can move like go into the next, next portion of it. So I think it's a, it's a really good um, time frame because yeah, you, I mean, you could, you can work longer obviously, but I mean, I know personally too, when you're sitting at a computer, if I would highly doubt that most people are fully productive for yeah. a 60 minute block. Right. Uh, it's that 30 minutes where you can just like, you, you can attack it, you can do it. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's going to probably going to start to drop off after that. So if you were to take a, a break in between, then you're just ready to go. And you, if you had even just four 30 minute blocks, I reckon in your day, I'm th thinking of myself actually like, boy, I could get a lot done if they were fully productive, no distractions. Uh, and I think when I, when I've sort of debriefed about, um, whether it's about what worked well in our clinics, what has worked um, well in a, in a work day. Often it's like, I'll reflect and be like, all right, phone was in the other room. All right. That's the, right. that's often the first thing. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've set a, a time limit for how long I need to be there. That way I've got this imaginary deadline and that's, that's helped a lot too. So there's a, a few things that often come out of that debrief. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty impressive what you can achieve in, a, a few hours of like really highly concentrated work versus, you know, work where you're just at 60%. Um, regarding the time uh, spans, there are certain activities, for example, certain programmers, depending on what they're working on, they will need a little bit longer to get into that zone. And for them, it might make sense to, you know, increase the, the time. But for most of the tasks that we work on, we, 30 minutes is a, is a really good time frame. And in terms of the psychology of, of this sort of stuff, is there things that you've learned along the way that you've found to be useful or you've maybe mistakes that you've seen people slipping into and they've been able to change the way they go about something? Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, you, there are certain things that you see over and over again that people really quickly address. Um, and I had the same things when I went in, I, I was actually sort of shocked how sloppy I often was in the definition or, or my clarity of the work. I would, you know, like, as I said, you will work a long time, but you're not really getting to the core of the issue very quickly. Um, just general, the realization how valuable this type of deep work is, and then putting a lot of different protections around uh, deep work. I know that some of your guests in the past have mentioned things like, you know, blocking social media. This is something that you will find a lot of people do in this, this type of community. Um, I usually have some form of app running at all time that will prevent me from accessing uh, websites that I find distracting during work hours or even for longer periods of time. Um, that has helped a lot, putting the phone in. Uh, I actually have a, a little box here that you can put your phone in and it locks and your phone is trapped in there for a certain amount of time. There's been um, it's one of those things where it's surprisingly effective and you feel a little bit silly, but it is so effective. Um, but um, um, other things is, yeah, I mean, planning is 
planning is one of those things that when we do it, it's extremely effective and extremely helpful, but it's very easy not to do it. And I think uh, this is a surprising um, finding maybe for, for me or for us that like really, really, you know, high level performers, um, researchers finishing their PhD, even, you know, people on that level often will not do uh, continuous or like regular simple planning. Yeah, and it's um, it's uh, so like you before we we're talking about like high level people in say business CEOs or in academics with PhDs, and and then with high level sportsmen, there's often some very similar traits right. that will you know be common and and seen amongst those different those different groups. And you said that a lot of people that you have gotten to know through ultra work uh like they they are quite into to sports and those sorts of things and i see it with like how you do one thing is typically how you do everything else and you know if you're yeah, high up really if you're a really good operator in one area you're, you're good in, in others so i think that sort of it crosses over to all aspects of your of your life and um you were talking uh, earlier too about you call it the pentathlon right. that uh, you're running at the moment with with some people from ultra work and uh what you're looking to do is to get them to operate at a a really good level in lots of different aspects of their of their life can you talk a bit about that because i think it's interesting that obviously nutrition plays a part with helping people work better and then uh, making sure you get enough sleep helps people you know that all works together so can you talk a bit about that uh that challenge that cool. you're, you're doing with everyone. So yeah, we call it the pentathlon. It's an event. It's, uh, it's styled as a competition. Um, it goes for around two weeks and, um, people join up and they're being put into teams. And, um, for the next two weeks, they are being rated. They're being scored on five different categories. Um, they're being scored on nutrition, on fitness, on sleep, on planning, and ultimately on doing their most important work. And um, what this competition really focuses on, um, some people, you know, put up really, really impressive hours. And some people go on like really amazing fitness uh, regimes for those two weeks and, and, and really push themselves. But we generally advise, and this is what most people do, to not necessarily go for like the most crazy um, you know, levels in each of these categories. But the goal is consistency. Um, we're trying to, for two weeks, get people to be very consistent across those five categories. So nutrition, you will pick something that is, um, you know, maybe a diet that you've done before that you feel comfortable with, you know, will not be extremely taxing on your, on your willpower. Um, and you stick to it for two weeks, um, fitness, you will not necessarily try a new exercise regime, but you do something that you've done before. That is, you know, somewhat challenging for you, but not overly. And you um, stick to it for two weeks and people can, we give them full flexibility in what good fitness will meet, mean for them for those two weeks. And, um, it's, it's, um, it's up to them. It's not up to us. Uh, then planning, we want you to do some form of planning every day. Um, then sleep, uh, we find actually that, um, much more important than your wake up time is your bedtime. So we really try to get people for those two weeks to hit very consistent bedtimes. And 
for me personally, once I started doing that, that was uh, the most uh, surprising finding after doing the pentathlon myself, how important a consistent bedtime was for my performance the next day and for the way I felt. And then lastly is your most important work. So often people will bring a project that they, you know, can roughly complete in two weeks. And um, we want them to define upfront what their most important work is. And here is an interesting, um, interesting uh, concept. The way we score it is each of these categories gets a hundred points. The work part is scored twice, one for consistency, one for, 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 them, for amounts. So basically with the first 10 minutes of your most important work, you will get a hundred points. And with an additional 90 minutes, you will get another 100 points. And basically what we're trying to do here is we find that projects do not die because you didn't work on them for like four hours every day. Projects or any type of endeavor really dies because it didn't get done at all for two weeks. And um, this is true, I would say, for, you know, becoming a great swimmer, becoming like, you know, getting in shape in general, sticking to a diet. It's not necessarily being like super intense for a week that will get you the result. It's putting in consistent work, you know, day over day, week over week. And um, this is what the pentathlon is styled upon. People really like it. Um, it's cool. It has this team dynamic that makes a huge component. People don't want to let down their teammates because at the end, the teams are, are like ranked and scored against each other. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun um, thing that we do multiple times a year. That's uh, like that. It's the thing that really appeals to me there is that ability to be consistent with those things. So don't go out and try and run 20 Ks every day and succeed there because you're probably not going to sustain that across or when the two weeks is over. And it's what I see with swimming is in order to improve your technique, if you do a little bit every single day or every single time you're swimming, like a little bit of the drills that we might prescribe people and then, you know, keep your attention on it through the set. That's what's going to change your stroke because if you do two hours of a technique session once every three weeks, you're not going to have that, consi that consistency to actually make any change to your stroke. It's just a little bit over time is what you'll, is what will help you get there. And it's very easy to overdo it, especially this time of year. You know, at the start of a, of a new year, people right. might have their fitness goals and they might go out and swim a, a 10K swim and you know, overdo it and then maybe get injured or maybe just go, oh, I'm exhausted and they'll need to, to rest up. So you're often better off to just do something that you could do every day and that's going to carry you forwards a, a lot better. And I get the appeal of wanting to go all out. Like I, I do it all the time. I still make that, that mistake. But... It's, uh, yeah, if you can have that, uh, that consistency, it, it makes such a difference. There is another concept that is interesting that also I think transfers pretty well to, to training. Um, we often work with baseline and stretch goals. We often encourage people to have a sort of minimum goal that they're trying to achieve. And um, if it goes well, then they can aim for their stretch goal. And I've applied this to my training on days where I don't feel really feel feel fully on. Um, I have a I have a baseline training that I can uh, default to that I I'm comfortable with that I think will get get me the results, but that I that is very hard for me to miss. And so even on you know even a day that might not be optimal, I can still get 
that minimum amount of training in and, and um, it's just a huge difference. Like it's a zero to one, like did you train or did you not train in the end? That applies to many things. Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's, that's something I should have done. So I, uh, at the start of the year, I, for the first seven days of this year, I ran 10 K every day. Hmm. And then on the, on the sixth day, I, I was surfing and I sort of went for a turn and I, I sort of hurt my, I hurt my knee when I was surfing. And then I was like, nah, I'm going to run the next day. And so I ran 10 K still, and I knew I shouldn't have, cause I, I was like, this isn't going to be good. And then I, ha I haven't been able to run since. Got it. Whereas if I'd uh, perhaps just said, all right, one K, you know, that's, that's my like minimum goal. Right. Then I could have gone, all right, I'll, I'll do a K. I still feel like I'm ticking the box. Um, and then I'd, I'd probably still be running. So Got it. it's, it, it's a really good, yeah, it's, it's a good idea to, to have that, that minimum goal. And I mean, same thing could go for swimming. Whereas if you set yourself, I'm going to go three times a week, you might, you might normally do about 2k, but if you set the minimum as right, the minimum I'm going to do is, is 500, then you're still going to the pool. You're still getting, getting wet and feel like you've had some sort of win and you've still stuck to those, those three sessions because right. in the past, I know there's been sessions where I've just I might be fatigued and I'm like, I don't feel like going, but usually when I, I go, or if I don't want to go, I say, all right, all you got to do is 500 meters and then you can get out if you want. Typically I'll, I'll stick around longer cause I'm like, well, I'm here now and actually feel pretty good. So, um, yeah, even just having that in the back of your mind, I think can help. Right. I think this is also what you just mentioned is basically a, I think a pretty common finding in, in psychology. I think, uh, maybe BJ Falk was the, was the person who coined the concept of tiny habits. And I think there are things like, you know, if you just, uh, if you stick to doing one push up every day, it's the getting started part. So once you're in the pool, you're like, you, we went through all of the hard part. You're in the pool already. Now doing 200, <laughs> two kilometers versus yeah. 500 meters is basically the same thing. It's like minimally much harder than, than the first part. It's getting you into the pool. And so having mm -hmm. something where, uh, you know, people, if, if they can't develop a running habit, they can start with every day. I want to put on my shoes and step in front of the house. And if I don't feel like doing it, I can just step right back in. But eventually that brings the, um, there is a concept that behavior actually precedes motivation. So you can establish the behavior first. You can sort of, you know, maneuver yourself into the behavior. And then the, the feeling, the psychology will actually follow as a result of that. So you will like, you will start liking the behavior that you have, um, that you started doing mechanically upfront. A quick note from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Form Swim Goggles. With these goggles, you don't have to look at the pace clock anymore or be one of those swimmers in the pool always grabbing for their watch. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all of your key metrics while you're swimming. Distance, pace, stroke rate, they've got it all. And the swim data is displayed on the goggle lens and you can customize the display to see the metrics that you want to. And I was worried that it was going to be distracting, but you can literally see through the display, the metrics are always there, but you have to choose to focus on them. It's really impressive. And it makes hitting intervals or any kind of specific training much more manageable and achievable. And the goggles track it all. It's automated. So from the time you start your session to the end of the swim, you don't have to press any buttons in between. It automatically tracks everything. Form also works with a bunch of the best pro athletes out there, including Lionel Sanders, Sarah Crowley, Hannah Wells, and Olympic champion, Usama Maluli, to name a few. These form goggles are for all types of swimming too. 
one pair of goggles and you can use them in the pool, the open water. You can use them in swim spas and endless pools too. So the same pair of goggles can be used in all of these different environments. The battery life is incredible too. One hour charge is 16 hours of swimming time battery life. And you can have the display on either your right or your left eye. The goggles themselves come with anti-fog solution that's used in dive masks. So it's great in terms of quality. And there's a protective case with a nifty drainage solution. So after you swim, you can store them safely. And while the goggles connect to the form swim app on your smartphone too, they will sync with the form app. And there you can review all of the details of your swim. And you can see what other swimmers are up to in the form swim community as well. I'm a big fan of these goggles. I was really impressed when I used them. And I use them for a vast majority of the sessions that I'm currently doing. To find out more about the Form Swim goggles, go to formswim.com and you can use our coupon code EFFORTLESS at checkout and save $15 off your order. Back to the podcast. Mm. Yeah, it's it's funny when you think about it, like even like the smallest amount of resistance to, or even the smallest uh, activity can feel like something hard to do. But if it's like, all right, all you got to do is put your runners on and step out the door. And then if you want to turn around, you can. So yeah, most of us can, can put our runners on and, and, and walk out the door. And then you've got the decision to, to make whether you keep going. So it, little ways to almost trick the mind into doing the thing that we want to do, because I've, so much of it is just is psychological. Right. And if we can have these little ways to get us to, to get into the habit, then, then it's, it's going to help. And I, I think once that habit is established, it's, it's hard to stop doing it. I think of as a teenager, when we, I'd swim eight, nine sessions a week and with like, it's just, it was granted every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and, and Saturday mornings. It's like, that's the days we train. And so there's just no question about it. So like you get up, go to the pool and you, and you do it. There's no right. like, Oh, but you know, I, I don't feel well. There's, it's just, you get up and do it because you're in that habit and did it for years. And then it's almost hard to break that habit. You don't want to, cause you feel like, well, I'm, I'm doing it now. And, and the not normal thing to do is to not go to the pool. Right. Um, how's your knee doing by the way now? And is your, is your are you healing up? Uh, it's, it's almost there, almost there. I, I went for one and a half Ks the other day and it was a bit sore. So I'm just, uh, I'm just rowing in, right. instead, but it feels okay then. But yeah, it's, I, it, I deserve it. Basically I should, like, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that 10 Ks at the time. I was like, Oh, this, this isn't good, but I just wanted to keep it going. But yeah, that's, uh, if that's we, all right. It'll, uh, it'll get there. And the main thing is I can still swim. Okay. That's so if we want to touch on something related to, to, um, actual, you know, exercise physiology, I think joint health is one of the things that I'm 36 now, you know, I, I remember exactly what it was like to be 20. And I just had to, I paid zero attention to anything like joints or connective tissue. I would just put the heaviest weights on and I would always recover. I would never get injured. Everything would be fine. As you get a little bit older, this starts to change. And I think the area where I um, would say I've made the most, where my, my, my information level has changed the most, where I'm the most surprised actually, everything to do with how to maintain your joints as you, as you age. And also just as your, you know, training pensum goes up, I think, uh, you know, most professional athletes will have some form of joint pain once they're done with their career, because that's where, where it's the most taxing. And you mentioned that you had some, some knee issues and I've had some issues in the past. So maybe we can 
go into that a little bit. Yeah, well, you you were saying that your like your background's in, uh, well, like you've got a health background and um, heavily focused on nutrition at the moment. So, uh, what? Uh, and you also mentioned before the call that you've been doing similar form of training as the the keys of training that we had on right. um, with a with a guest recently. So, what? Uh, let's talk about some of those things for joint health because I think for swimmers really important, particularly shoulder. I'd say a, a good probably 10 to 20% of the swimmers that I see at clinics have had or got some sort of shoulder or, or joint pain when they swim. And often it is related to technique or overuse or just not doing the strength exercises to right. be able to keep their shoulder in the right position when they swim. So there's a couple of things there. So um, this being probably closer to your background than, than mine, what are, what, what are some things that people can do around joint health? Um, yeah, so one thing that I find highly surprising is when when I grew up and and we got into I got introduced to strength training. Um, there was a lot of movements were taught in a way where we, where you would stay clear from certain positions of the joint. So that the knee, for example, you would um, get told to not put your knees over your toes when you squatted, and you basically you know didn't go below ninety degrees many times. I mean, you saw many people doing it, and then for shoulder. For example, um, you would be very careful when, when doing bench press not to go too deep or when doing a dip, you would stop and maybe also perform this exercise just to 90 degrees. And then for certain you know, pushing movements, you would maybe not push with your shoulders behind your head. And um, all this in, in, a, in a hope to put less strain on the knee and, or nest, less strain on the particular joint and therefore like prevent it from, from damaging. And what I think has come out over the last few years is that this is actually completely the opposite way we should think about. Um, we tend to often train these joints just in these very static positions, in these safe positions. We don't train them in the in the extreme positions. And um, there are a lot of this, this is I think uh, more and more people are switching and uh, or or moving in this direction a little bit. Really um, understanding that that to to maintain healthy joints we need to use them and move them over their complete range of motion this is true for shoulders this is particularly true in my and in, in, in my experience for the knees and um i make it a substantial part of my training now as i get older um you will always like when we look at general fitness you know you ask yourself what will give me the most um, the most incremental benefits is it going to be to um, become stronger? And I would say for most, particularly men that carry a lot of muscle mass, actually mobility is the one thing that that gets gets them much more um, uh, quality of life than becoming stronger or faster. Um, yeah, that's what. I, and and um, it it needs almost like a car needs some you know needs like you need to play the mechanic and. Put some actual maintenance time into those parts yeah yeah absolutely i've started to really notice that and feel that over the last few years and looking ahead for the next 10 20 30 years i look at the things that i enjoy which is swimming surfing love running like oh, i love all those sorts of things like if i can't do those then it's i'm going to be 
pretty disappointed. So if, if I can keep healthy enough to be able to continue doing those, then that's got to be the highest, highest priority because, um, to me, that's a huge, huge part of my life. So sure. I think it's a good thing about swimming too, is it's, it's usually you know, pretty low impact and people can continue to do it. I've seen people in there hundreds still swimming my nan's in her 90s and she still swims three times a week so like yeah uh, that's that's a really good goal and uh, i'm glad it's it's a sport that i that i enjoy and i can see myself doing it doing it forever uh let's talk a bit about nutrition so for me i think nutrition is one of those things that yes we absolutely want to get it right but the hardest thing to do is if we haven't got a plan in place or we haven't perhaps had our shopping for the week when we're hungry and there's no good options available, that's when we will resort to the easy option, which is sometimes not the healthiest option and, uh, yeah, and, and not the best option for us. So I think just having, making that stuff easy right. is really crucial. And, uh, yeah. And so, and so that to me, that's always the, the, the hardest thing is making sure that you've, you've, you've sort of planned your, your week right. or your day out in advance. So you, you mentioned before we got on the call a bit about what you're doing there with, with ultra work. And, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about, about that? And I guess why that's, why that's arisen as a, as a thing to get on top of and something that you guys are working on now. Right. Yeah. So we were mentioning the pentathlon and one of the parts of the pentathlon was nutrition. And we found that that is. Nutrition is, is intrinsically hard to get done. It, it deals with physical stuff in the real world that needs to be prepared. And, um, you know, it takes a certain time. Um, first off, like with nutrition in general, um, once again, it's my, my, I always try to think about how to make it easier because in the end, it's, it's mostly not the, the actual information that's keeping people from making a change. It's the, it's, it's that it's hard to implement them. So it's not necessarily that people don't know what they should be eating. It's that they, as you said, default because they don't have the right systems in place. Um, so, you know, general advice for someone who is thinking about how to get this in check is, you know, make uh, one thing that I find extremely well um, is make a list of default options where um, we have, there's this, this concept of paradigm of choice, where if we have too many options presented to us, we cannot decide on any one of them. And then often we will default to doing whatever we did before without making a decision. And so um, coming up with like a short list, maybe, you know, three to five meals that you enjoy, that you can easily prepare and that you will always have the ingredients for in the house. And then whenever you feel hungry, you just like pick one of those three and do it. And um, that works surprisingly well. Um, we tried for, we tried to come up with something that it makes it even easier. And, you know, we're very data-driven people. So we just um, maybe six months ago launched a service called Clockwork Nutrition. Uh, we're currently only in the US. This is how it works. We get your, um, we get like some basic data, like your, your age, uh, your height, your gender, your, your weight, how much you're moving. And you tell us a little bit about your goals, what you're trying to accomplish. Some of the, you know, you might be wanting to, to lose some, some, uh, some fat or gain some weight. Um, we, we calculate roughly your uh, total caloric needs. And then on Monday, we start sending you two meals per day that are pretty much perfectly uh, tailored towards your macronutrient and um, caloric needs. Every, you know, every 
evening or on a regular basis, you report back how you like those meals. You tell us how much you're weighing so we can adjust. And basically over time, based on your preferences, based on your hunger levels, based on your um, subjective um, rating of your performance, we will, we will improve the meals that we're sending you to um, get too close as possible um, to your ideal you know, nutrition uh, profile. Mm. It's uh, that's good. I I like that idea of having your three go-to meals and just making sure you got those ingredients in the house because that's yeah. I'm, I look at our fridge now; it's like it's pretty empty at the moment. But uh, yeah, if if I just had those those three go-to meals, which could be you know, which, right. which can be pretty easy to cook up, it's like wow. You, um, then that can I can spend five or ten minutes getting that ready, and then I'm good to go, and I'm not going to go down to at the cafe and get uh, something that's maybe not the best best option there so yeah it's, it's great and i uh, i think some of the things we've covered here i know they're not entirely related to swimming but i know the people who listen to this podcast and the, the people that i work with daily it's um it's it's all related you know you're um and you, you can apply a lot of this i guess productivity or habit forming to to swimming so it's been uh, been a really interesting discussion so chris appreciate you being on the podcast and for those listening what's the best way to find out more about you and what you do and, and ultra work and uh, and those sorts of details right. um yeah so you can go to ultraworking.com and you can find out about everything we do um and you can go to clockwork nutrition and you can find out about the nutrition part and uh, you will also find me there and um yeah we're uh, have a lot of free tools. So the, the work cycles we mentioned at the beginning, we have a free um, Google Sheets that you can download and you can run for yourself. We have some other tools like uh, like lights that are really popular to keep people um, consistent on their on their goals. And um, yeah, we run the pentathlon multiple times a year and we'll continue to come up with um, cool stuff that uh, that helps people in, in these fields. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, I appreciate you because um, I, I, I get people reaching out for, uh, you know, to, to be on the podcast. And then I saw um, saw you reach out. So I had a look at, uh, at Ultra Working, listen to the podcast. And I was like, oh, this stuff is really good. And I'm glad um, you're able to be, uh, come on as a, as a guest because, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed today. And this stuff is, it, it's so interesting, but there's so much you can learn about it too. And I think over the years it's something i've become a lot more aware of working with swimmers that it doesn't matter how how well someone can do something on on one day if they don't have that consistency to be able to do it over a long time so it is just about forming <clears throat> forming habits and sometimes it comes down to removing barriers or distractions making sure you uh, uh, do it in a way where they don't necessarily need to do something completely different so what we recommend is doing like two or 400 meters of some drills in their warm-up whenever they're training so they don't need to spend another hour at the pool every every week or anything so all these sorts of things i, I think are, are super important so i appreciate uh, this chris and uh thanks for being a guest thank you thanks for listening to the effortless swimming podcast if you'd like us to help you become a faster more efficient swimmer go to www.effortlessswimming.com